0: The greatest commitment that one can make in the new year is to make God the priority of their life. And when I say to make God the priority of their life, that means a few things. Number one, to glorify Him. What does it mean to glorify God? Well, it means just that, to give Him credit, to give Him praise, to give Him honor. Also, we are to love Him. And so if we are glorifying Him, and we truly love Him... The Bible says, those that love him keep his commands, so that means we need to obey what the word says. But for everyone here today, God has blessed us with another year. How do I know that? Because you are here and you're breathing. Amen. So we are all in that category. And uh, there's just something about the new year that, uh, that makes the rear view mirror crystal clear, does it not? Uh, it, it, they always say that hindsight is 2020. When I was young I didn't understand that, but the older I get, I truly understand that we can learn from our past. We can learn things that we should have done, things that we should not have done, and things that we're grateful we have done. What comes to mind when you when you review your year is there a word that could sum it up? Is there a statement or a saying? I think of of things words like Faith, seeing God's faithfulness, seeing God's grace, or maybe maybe for you it's resolve or maybe it's you had a happy year, or a joyful year, emotional year, an educational year. Maybe those are you pursued your education, whatever it may be, we can all praise our heavenly father today because of the fact that we are here. You can say, God, thank you for I am here. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. And your other neighbor, I can honestly say that (coughs) this year has been probably one of the hardest ones of my life. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, on all fronts. And uh, as I look back at 2017, uh, there are a few aspects of my life that I want to share with you. Now, I'm not trying to make this sermon about me, but you've seen me, you've seen my journey. And and, uh, let me just kind of let you know where I'm kind of landing on my past year number one there is a loving god who is patient and persistent in his love for me patient and persistent and never lose sight that he is loving and even more importantly good the second thing i found is a a wife whose love and support kept me grounded through it all and the third thing was a church that was loving and Patient, understanding, kind, and giving. I fully believe that God brought me here to be blessed by Homeland Park Baptist Church. And friends and family and resources that God had ordained by placing in my life right when I needed them. But over the year, God has taught me a lot in the midst of my grief. By losing both parents and a friend or a mentor uh, this year, or this past year. And I can honestly say that through all, throughout the whole process, I truly loved and still love God with all my heart. Without Him, I would not be here today. Without Him, there would be no hope to be found in the midst of tragedy. And it is by God's grace that I have emerged stronger, wiser, and blessed. And I hope that for you... And in your life, because I know many of the situations that you're in, and though you might not have been through what I've gone through, you have had your battles. Some of you are in the midst of your battles. And it doesn't look like it's going to end in 2017. It looks like it's going to carry right over into 2018. My friend, let me tell you, God loves you. His character is good, and He will Sustain you and by the grace of God, you will be stronger and wiser and blessed. Because we all love and we all lose and we all struggle and we are blessed. And the passing of another year provides a benchmark to our life. By God's grace, we have emerged stronger, wiser, and blessed. And many will make New Year's resolutions. Each year, at least half of us will start the year doing something very exciting that will come very frustrating in our new year. The USA.gov website says the ten resolutions that most Americans make every year are these. Can you guess the number one? Lose weight. We have a winner. Lose weight. Gain it back. Yeah. For those of you that have a resolution to gain weight, I do not like you. I'm just kidding. Here's some more. Manage debt. Save money. Uh, get physically fit. Eat healthy. Learn something new. Drink less. Quit smoking. Reduce stress. Take a trip somewhere. Or volunteer to help others. And I would say probably for believers, you would probably add to that, read the entire Bible through in a year. All of these resolutions are good. But the problem is, how many people do you think actually keep all of the resolutions? They say four out of five people who make them will break them. So if you made a resolution last year and you broke it, don't worry, you're in good company. But one-third of people who make resolutions won't get past the end of January before they stop. But the point here is, do not make New Year's resolutions. Make a commitment That last all year. One commitment. Let me share what that one commitment is. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. And it says, fear God and obey His commands. Kind of reminds me of Barney Fife's jailhouse speech. Where he's telling the prisoners, he's walking by the prison and he says, Okay, men, I want to tell you here at the Rock, we have two rules. Number one, do not write on the walls. Do you remember what the second one is? Obey all rules. We have two rules here, and it would seem like it's very, very simple. But it actually goes deeper than that. Every year that God gives us on this earth, earth, we have a purpose. What is our purpose that God has given us? Our purpose is, is to bear fruit. What does bear fruit mean? It means that we show proof of the faith that we have in God and that we give him glory. And, and all that we do, whether it be serving or working or playing or, or being a family person, God expects us to bear fruit. If you remember the parable of the talents, God expects the master came back and expected those servants to multiply what he had invested in them. God doesn't expect us to sit to soak, and to sour. He expects us to bear fruit. So rather than spending our time, God wants us to invest it and invest it to the people of the kingdom. So do not pursue empty promises with worthless endeavors. Live a life today that matters. A life with meaning. And as we see that passage, it seems kind of cut and dry, but if you remember, the teacher that wrote this many believe it was Solomon that wrote this Solomon was the wisest and richest man ever and here he is he if if there was something to try he tried it as i've told people before he actually was so rich that he could have ice in his drinks now you would think how could he have that because they didn't have ice boxes back then what they would he would have servants That would go to the mountains, grab snow and put it in some type of container and bring it back just so he could have ice in his drinks. He had everything he needed. Well, let's take a look at the passage this morning, starting with verse eight. It says the writer is concluding. This is the whole book, just kind of everything in a nutshell. And this first verse is actually probably if you've ever wrote a theme paper, this is the theme of the entire book. Of Ecclesiastes, it says, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. In other words, he says, I have tried to find joy in everything, and it has left me empty. We see here, he says, everything is meaningless, says the teacher. And in verse 9, keep in mind, the teacher was considered wise, and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully To many proverbs, studying and classifying them, the teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like nail studded sticks with which a shepherd drives his sheep. But my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful for writing books is endless and much study wears you out. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commands. For this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. So, a few points so we can get from this passage this morning. Number one, we must let God's Word steer us. <coughs> we must let God's Word Steer us. If you go back and look at verse 11, it says, the saying of the wise are like cattle prods. These were long sticks, often with nails sticking out of them. And they would use that to kind of sting the cattle prods and, and to kind of sting whatever they were hurting together. That for us is the Word of God. The Word of God teaches us. <coughs> and we must let God's Word steer us. The Bible is, if you've never heard it before, I'll tell you, the Bible is the inerrant and the infallible Word of God. If you ever hear someone say, well, the Bible says this, but it's not correct, then you better run. Because it is, if you take one little passage in the Bible and say that it is not correct, you have thrown the whole Bible out. So, what we see here is that the Bible does three things. Number one, in Psalms 12.6, it purifies us. It lets us see where impurities are and allows us to get rid of those. It revives us. And it also, it protects us. A lot of people, when I was younger, I thought, you know, the the Christianity was a lot of thou shalt nots until I realized something. It wasn't trying to keep me from having fun, but it was trying to preserve me and to preserve my life. Because the things that I was pursuing that were not according to God's word were hurting me. That goes for you and that goes for me, too. And Solomon loved to teach from his experience and from his given wisdom. And then also we see in verse 12 that knowledge apart from God and application is empty. <coughs> now, I know many of you in here have pursued educations. Some of you are very wise about things that I can never dream of. And then also, there's some of you. I've got a friend. He actually wrote a doctoral dissertation on meaningless information. I don't understand that. But he is, he is very wise. And the thing is, is that there's nothing wrong with pursuing wisdom. There's nothing wrong with getting a career. There's nothing wrong with trying to be the best you can in your area. But any education, any kind of career, any kind of advancement we have, a part from the Word of God and a part from God is meaningless. Because whatever we do on this earth that is not of God, it ends with us. But what we do for the kingdom carries on forever. (coughs) He says in verse 12, But my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless, and much study wears you out. Folks, we have a lot of people in our world today, especially on our televisions and our Facebook feeds, that can say whatever they think sounds right and act like they're an expert on it. There are a lot of people who think they know what's going on. And this world wants us to swallow the teachings hook, line, and sinker. They want us to think that there is no need for God. They want us to think if there is a God, He is the God of love that lets everybody do whatever they want. There are even some people believe that there is no hell. There are people that believe that we can do and act as we want, and then if we are good enough at the end of our lives, we'll be able to go to heaven. (coughs) And there are people that that proclaim this in mass in the media. But folks, I'm telling you, it's not right. It's not what God's word says to us. And so pursuing knowledge is important. But because if we're not learning, we're staying still. And uh, for example, older people deciding not to learn computers. Some of you in here, I know you. Do You think computers are evil? That's something if you need it done, you bother your kids with it. <coughs> I'll never forget my mom one time, she was mad as fire. And I said, Mom, what's wrong? So, well, I called the paper this morning and they're stopped, they're going to stop delivering the weekly paper and only do it on a weekend because the rest is going to be online. She did not like that because she did not have a computer. She would think a mouse was something you set a trap for. And I, some of you, I would say, It was funny, before I came to this church, my email load was exhaustive. I can count my emails I get this week on one hand. It's amazing. But I'll tell you what, there's there's some folks, like I say, that, well, I'm just not going to do the computer. And that's okay. But you know what? You're missing a lot. And I wonder when I get older, I wonder what's going to come out that I don't want to do. But folks, if if we refuse to grow, if we refuse to learn, we do suffer. But the thing is, whether you need to know a computer or not, it's not going to make a difference on your soul. It's not going to make a difference beyond this life. And that's what Solomon is trying to tell us. The second thing, (coughs) fear God and keep His commands. Fear God and keep His man commands. If you want to know the meaning of life, you can highlight verses 13 and 14. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. In other words, after all that is said and done, fear God and obey His commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge for everything we do, including every secret thing, every good or bad thing. Solomon found what he was searching for. The whole of man is to live for God. To not live for God is to live a life incomplete. We saw two young men today that lived a complete life by going not only through with salvation, but baptism. Churches are littered with people. Maybe even some of you in here that have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. But you refuse to get baptized. You're not living the full Christian life. And I would also say if you're not part of a church or even you yourself are not a part of winning others for Christ, you do not know fully what it means to be a Christian. Our job is to produce fruit. Our goal is to multiply. Jesus' great commission says to go into all nations baptizing people in the faith, and discipling believers. So we fear God, but why should we fear God? You ever thought of that? Why should we fear God? Here's number one. We are weak, and He is mighty. We are weak, and He is mighty. And there have been times where God has challenged me on this because I thought I was strong enough. Have you ever thought you were strong enough for something and realized you weren't? We are weak. He is mighty. There are things that I've had to do in life. And I would say, you know what? I cannot do this. If it's going to be done, God, you are going to do it. And he always shows out. Number two, we are flawed. He is perfect. Number three, we are late. He is always on time. And number four, we are ignorant. Now, ignorant is not a bad word. Ignorant means you don't know, as opposed to stupidity, which means you know, but do it anyway. So we are ignorant, but he is all knowing. And so we need to fear God out of love and respect. (coughs) Now, when we talk about fear God, that doesn't mean that we need to be worried all the time that God is going to put us under his thumb. What that does mean is I remember back in the old days, and I know some of the some kids can't uh, believe this, and uh, some of you will remember your days in school, especially uh, middle school, back in uh, Bowling Springs, South Carolina. I, after I would moved from Virginia, I didn't know they could do this, but if you misbehaved, they would give you what they call licks. You might know what a lick is, and it's not like a lollipop. I'd have to go to the assistant and It only happened once, okay, so your preacher wasn't a renegade. But I, I was that guy that always knew how to push it until you got in trouble, except this one time. <coughs> and so I go in there, and Dr. Malpas is there, and he says, Okay, son, bend over the desk. I'm like, what? Assume the position, and then I knew what was coming. And then he pulled out what looked like a barber's leather strap. And he said, okay, here's your punishment, three licks. I'm like, surely I can take three licks. Waaah! Woo! You mean I got two more of those coming? And yes, they came. And, uh, I realized I didn't want to be in that position again. And, uh, <clears throat> some of you were like, oh, that, that's awful that that happened, but I'm okay. I, I survived. I had uh, plenty of, uh, padding back there. <coughs> but the thing is, I knew I never wanted to be in that office again. And the thing is, I I feared not doing that. Every one of you fears something. For example, let's say you're driving home today, and especially on Old Williamson Road, there's a little corner there where the cops like to hide. You know what I'm talking about? Who wants to drive 35 miles an hour? Well, there you go. They're there. And you know what? When you see one, what do you do? Like that. Slow down. Because you fear getting caught. It's not that you fear like some scared kind of thing, but you just, you respect the law. And the thing is with God, is that just like Dr. Malthus, just like the police, just like my mom and dad when they would tell me, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to get you. I remember many years when I was going to church and I was about Drazen's age. And I, I would act out. I would get my little cars and go down the pew. And then I would—I could tell that my mom was getting upset. And she would look at me and say, I'm going to get you when you get home. Then I thought about for a minute and I would just look at her. I'd take her hand and say, Mom, I love you. <laughs> it didn't do much good. But again, I'm okay today. I, I say that for a minute just to say, look, we need to fear God. Why do we read His Word? Because we love Him. Why do we obey His Word? Because we fear Him. Folks, I don't want to let Him down. As a pastor, I want to do the best job I can for you. And as a believer, I want to do the best job I can for God. As a husband, I want to do the best job I can for Donna and for my friends. We do that because we love. And so when Solomon is saying, Fear God and obey His commands... It's not fearing that he's going to smite us, but loving him enough to do what he asks. That's what he's saying here. Because the thing is, is that the reason we need to obey him is because, I don't know about you, but have you ever tried to look, put together a puzzle without looking at the picture? Yeah, if it's a five or six piece puzzle, you might be able to do that. But imagine taking a 500 piece puzzle... And trying to put it together without looking at the picture. It would be a tough task. Yes, maybe you could get the edges together. But the rest of it would be pretty tough, wouldn't it? Folks, you and I are trying to put our puzzles of our lives together. But we haven't seen the full picture. That is why we need to fear God and obey his commands. And it seems like a daunting task. But let me finish with this verse. The third thing we see is that you are not left to change on your own. Philippians four thirteen is a very popular passage. It's a very popular passage. It says, "For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me, or who gives me strength." What do you think the word "everything" means? Everything means everything, right? There again, the Bible is not inerrant. I mean, the Bible has no errors in it, and so everything is everything, right? Well, I got to be careful here. Everything does not mean if I want to jump on or climb up on the top of this church, it means I feel like I want to jump off and fly. It's not going to happen. We can do everything that God has commanded us to do because He gives us the strength to do it. It does not mean that we can continue in our sin. We can continue in our rebellion. We can continue in our denial of God and feel like we can get His strength. It does not happen. But isn't it great to know that He gives us this glorious standard to live by, to give us the best life possible. If you go out and you buy, you, you might have gotten a brand new piece of technical equipment for Christmas. Or you might have got some kind of something that, unfortunately, you had to read directions. Or you got some clothing that you love, and you're going to have to wash it at some point. What do you have to do? You have to read the label and see how you need to wash it. You need to read the directions and see how you need to take care of it. And all of these different things, because you want to follow the manufacturer's recommendations. Folks, this is the manufacturer's recommendation of our lives. And if we live according to this word, it works. And everything that he asks us to do, he will give us the strength to do it. Everything. Paul knew the secret to living. Paul knew the secret to living. He see but but by staying in God's word, we see life through his viewpoint and not our own. Again, everything means everything. We may not have superhuman abilities. We may not be able to do the sinful things that we want to do. But in our darkest of time as believers, there is still the gut level knowledge of knowing that he is there. In conclusion, I'd like to encourage you to start this year with a clean sheet. A clean sheet. Uh, There's a a preacher and, and motivational speaker named Ron Edmondson. He says this. He says, God is great at taking nothing and making something when we let him draw the picture. God is great at taking nothing and making something when we let him draw the picture. Folks, give God the ample space to write out and plan the rest of your life. Make yourself completely available to Him. The best and one and only resolution you need is to fear God and obey His commands. And then you will live the life that He has you to live. Let's pray. God, thank You so much for this service this morning. We praise You for what is already taking place through the baptisms and the worships and the offerings, Lord. But Lord, I do pray that as we approach a new year, I pray, Lord, that we don't get bogged down in the past or overwhelmed by the future, but we just take it day by day, fearing you, loving you, and obeying your commands. For that is when we will be able to experience your life. And so, Lord, I also want to open up the altar this morning, Lord, if there's someone that has realized that that in their pursuit of life they've tried to live it on their own and they realize this morning that there is a greater power in You. And they want to accept Jesus Christ like Matthew and and Joe have, Lord, and that, Lord, uh, others in us in here have that have found that strength, that they would like to know You as their Savior and Lord. They could come forward. I'll pray with them. And we'll get them started on that journey. Or maybe they just want to come to the authors and pray, whatever it may be, Lord. May you have them move, Lord, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?